Many people in farming already know the benefits of precision agriculture, but Kurt Blades, the senior vice president of the Association of Equipment Manufacturers, says a new study by the association aims to help the public understand. Kurt joins me this week to talk about that study and more. I'm Sabrina Halverson. Let's get into this week's AgNet Weekly. Well, I wanted to talk to you today about the importance of uh, precision agriculture and the equipment needed for that. Uh, AEM recently put out a news release about the environmental benefits of precision ag. Can you tell me a little bit about what some of those benefits are? Well, so uh, the environmental benefits of precision agriculture is one of those uh, topics that those of us involved in precision agriculture, we kind of just know inherently. Uh, you know, a tractor that drives in a straight line uh, and maybe doesn't overlap as much when it's doing its planting or tilling is probably going to use less fuel. What we attempted to do within AEM was to quantify those numbers uh, to put them in a, um, you know, in a way that, that really would, would show the, the true environmental benefits. So we communicate those to, you know, the environmental groups, those stakeholders that are maybe don't completely understand agriculture uh, and may have a negative opinion. So we want to show that this technology is really making a big difference in, in uh, both farms' economic benefits, but also when you add them together, the societal benefits. Mm-hmm. And you know, you, you bring up a great point that uh, for people who don't know agriculture, and which, you know, unfortunately is pretty much most of our population in the United States, um, they still have a very old image of agriculture and, and don't know about all the technological advances that we've had in our equipment and how they are so beneficial to the environment. Um, is there a piece of equipment off the top of your head that you can think of as an example? Well, the thing that we like to point to first when, when describing uh, precision agriculture is, is really that, that fundamental technology of GPS. When a tractor knows where it is in the field, uh, it can do all sorts of other things, and that includes things like auto guidance, variable rate technology, section control, precision irrigation. All of these technologies sort of work together uh, to, to really tell that to tell that story in a big way. Uh, so, but I often say, you know, a farmer oftentimes buys a piece of precision ag equipment because of the you know the the immediate benefits they might see with a tractor driving in a straight line. Farmers get that. Uh, that you don't have to even run the numbers on it. It just makes a whole lot of sense that, you know, at the end of the day, you can run a little bit longer uh, because you're less stressed and have, having to worry a little bit less about uh, staying on a row. So a farmer adopts the technology because of that, and then they hang other pieces onto it, such as yield mapping. And, and uh, that leads to section control. That leads to fleet telematics. That leads to other pieces that really add up to tell this, in, this total uh, uh, precision egg story. And when we're talking about technology like this, the, the GPS and the, the uh, yield monitors and things like this, um, soil sensors, these are not crop specific. These can be used on a wide variety of crops. So, you know, um, our wheat growers can use equipment like this and our growers out in the specialty crop areas of California and Florida, they also have these um, technologies avail- available to them as well. Is that right? Absolutely. They, the, the, the technology varies. Obviously, if you're harvesting strawberries versus harvesting, you know, 10,000 acres of wheat, there are two different bits of technology, but the fundamentals are, are very much the same, and the benefits are very similar. It's amazing how much uh, our world in agriculture has changed over the last five and ten years because of, you know, the, the rapid adoption of sensors and because of GPS technology, that things that we wouldn't have ever dreamed were possible, like 
harvesting strawberries mechanically and keeping them softly held and knowing when they're ripe. Those things were just, you know, kind of pipe dreams just a few years ago are very much reality today. You think about where this technology is going and what that means both to the farmer and to the environment. It's a pretty amazing story. I love that you brought up strawberries because I so vividly remember years ago, and I don't remember how many years ago, it could be 10 years ago, it could be eight, but talking with somebody and and doing a story on how um, harvesting automation may never be possible for strawberries because they're so delicate. And like you said, look, this was once something we couldn't even really think of. And now look, it's happening. Um, These advances, uh, you know, what do we have to credit these advances? And would you say, what do we need more of to keep these advancements coming? Well, the, I mean, I never underestimate the power of innovation. I mean, the human spirit will, will, will see, see a problem and solve a problem. In the case of strawberries, I think we have uh, some well-documented labor shortages in, uh, in especially crops areas that, uh, that sort of necessitated that innovation. So I, I, will, I will never get that against human innovation. I think we, we will find a way. But what we do have to pay very close attention to are, you know, sort of what are the triggers that, that allow this to happen? You know, obviously there's got to be, um, you know, there's got to be an economic incentive for that technology to be developed. But there also has to be, you know, it's got to pencil out for the farmer to, to, to purchase this. You know, row crop farmers, you know, can, they were easily able to pencil out buying precision agriculture to drive in a straight row. That one made, that one made a lot of sense. The investment was was significant, but it was but it was also sort of manageable. When you get into some of these more advanced pieces, the investment is certainly there. I think what we what we advocate with the association of equipment manufacturers, and I think all farm groups in general, advocate for number one a very strong farm safety net. So if a farmer is going to invest in precision agriculture, they need to know that that farm is going to be a viable business for the next five and ten years. Uh, given those ups and downs that happen in the ag market. So that's number one, farm safety net. Uh, number two is a very strong farm economy. So that's making sure that the crops that you grow can be sold somewhere and assurance that there is a there's an income that can, that can justify those longer-term investments. But beyond that, we are big proponents of incentives uh, that are, you know, you know, if there's incentives that are out there to, for, for business to, businesses to make changes in their in their operations that have an environmental uh, story. It only makes sense for those same things to be applied to agriculture when that technology is available. So we're, we're big advocates for those incentives to be, to be put in place uh, for farmers to, to, to adopt that technology. And then the final thing is, is really education. And we're finding that the consumer, uh, you know, we know that consumers have a strong desire for, you know, clean labels or, or other things that, that tell the story of where they're, where and how their their uh, their food is produced, and we think educating consumers on you know the benefits of you know innovation leading to you know both a a safe and healthy but also environmentally responsible product is a good story for consumers to have, and and we know the the consumer packaged good companies and the large uh, uh, retailers are absolutely advocating that and and sharing that that desire for those products to uh, to the farm level. I almost want to say there's a lot to unpack in, in your comment there, but, um, you know, it's, it is so important. Uh, one of the things that you said that it is so important that the farmers can afford 
to upgrade their equipment and to get the new equipment that is coming out, um, a lot of this is expensive. No, it, it is. There's no, there's no, I'm not, not going to shy away from, from that as an investment. Yeah. And, but, you know, it's, it's not, um, I mean, you know, if, if you're going to buy, even in, just for me, if I'm going to buy a new car, I know how much a new car is going to cost. This is the same thing with your farm equipment. It's a, it's an investment for your, for your business. Do you have any suggestions on where uh, farmers can look for incentives? And, and um, are there any that you can think of if they, you know, if they're thinking about upgrading, what should they do to find some help? Well, first and foremost, I mean, it's got to make sense for a farm business. They need to, you know, be working closely with their dealer and those and their trusted advisors to make sure that the that the equipment, you know, pencils out. And and again, for the for the most part, that's a pretty easy calculation uh, for a farmer to make. As far as looking for incentives, it sort of depends on the state and the region. I mean, I work closely with your, you know, your your either your local extension or work with your with your uh, uh, you know local you know conservation offices oftentimes are are good sources for that information, but then also you know working closely with you know maybe a commodity organization like corn growers and soybean growers, which are actively involved with the um, uh, the farm bill right now, and and all of the organizations uh, that are you know having that farm bill debate, I think we're all looking for uh, ways to create incentives for farmers to continue to do you know, good things with the, the good things they've been doing for, for decades and centuries and continue to do that, but also getting credit for those good things that they're doing. So I'd say work with your, work with the, uh, you know, the local associations, but then also work with, you know, county extension as well as uh, in conservation districts. Yeah. And I, I have a, a farm bill question that I'd like to ask you in just a minute. But first, I want to ask about something very important for um, our listeners in California and also in other areas of the nation, which so many have been in drought this year. Um, with new technology, you can uh, really ha- um, get into precision irrigation. Um, so what are some of the benefits? I mean, just from the, you know, just from the name, we know precision irrigation is going to have a lot of water benefits. But can you explain some of them for our listeners who maybe don't know? One thing that we have found is that, you know, and we define precision irrigation pretty broadly. So that includes things like soil moisture, but also soil moisture sensors, just as simple as that, but also variable rate precision irrigation that, that is current. Obviously, if you're talking to your California listeners and knowing the, the water situation, sometimes it's not enough and sometimes it's too much. Managing that water is very important. What we have found is that uh, for the most part, irrigation historically has kind of been, uh, it occurs based off of, you know, the calendar or based off of a quick walk through the field. Uh, you know, it, it hasn't rained in seven days, so it's time for me to turn on the irrigation or I walk through the field and it, and it looked pretty dirt. It looked pretty dry. We find is that when you put that real intelligence in there, where it's a ground sensor that's testing the actual water moisture, we actually saw a direct uh, reduction of about 4% of the amount of water that was used uh, as a direct result of the uh, the current adoption of soil uh, moisture sensors and variable rate irrigation. If that were to receive full adoption, that technology were to receive full adoption, there's another 21% amount of uh, water that could be reduced just by uh, an estimated use uh, reduction just by the adoption of this technology. So if you think about that today, I mean that's that is a lot of water. If we can if we can all of a sudden point to an environmental uh, group and say that we're using 25% less water because of the adoption of technology, those are the types of stories that get the headlines 
and to get people's attention to really, uh, um, you know, to encourage folks to take a look at it. Yeah, absolutely. That gets the, like you said, that gets the attention of everybody. Um, Farm Bill, is there anything that AEM is hoping for in the Farm Bill or... Well, the, the, we obviously support many of the things that our, uh, you know, our, our friends in the ag industry, you know, support, such as, you know, a good, strong safety net uh, and, and increased demand. But specifically, AEM is, is behind two pieces of bipartisan le- legislation that are being talked about as part of the Farm Bill, one of those being the Precision Ag Loan Act, which is a mechanism that allows uh, uh, farmers uh, to gain access to better financing to adopt precision ag technology, specifically because of, you know, the, 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 the story we're having here of it being uh, an environmental uh, benefit story. So that's, that is, uh, we're hoping for incorporation of that into the Farm Bill. The other piece that we're taking a look at is a bipartisan piece of legislation called the PRECISE Act, and that is, is using equip funds or allowing farmers to use equip funds to maybe upgrade their um, their their farm uh, equipment to include precision agriculture because of the environmental benefits, much like they might be making some some uh, uh, land improvements using those same equip funds. So those are two pieces that we're specifically looking for. I'll tell you what, it's a fun time to be in agriculture when you can talk about positive solutions and this farm bill debate that's kind of underway and will be continuing for the next several months is is certainly bringing these topics front and center. Yeah, I agree. And it, 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 you're right. It is a, a fun time to be um, to be involved in that and to watch everything that's going on. Um, I'm very interested to see how um, I'm, I'm hoping that this continues to get the support to keep that uh, to make precision ag more available, I guess, to farmers all over the nation, because there are so many benefits to it. Um, environmental benefits, business benefits. Um, are there any last thoughts that you'd have for our our listeners? Well, I would say that, that there's we've got our, we've got our work cut out for us because although the stories are very positive, there are there are those that that either uh, uh, try to limit the innovation or for one reason or another are are not as in support of some of these technologies, specifically maybe some of that that uh, autonomous uh, technology and uh, you know so I do encourage you know, all of your listeners if they're interested in this technology to learn a little bit more about the technology but also be an active be an advocate. Uh, telling those that, uh, that that may not be familiar with farming or farming practices or modern farming or farming practices, don't be afraid to, sh- to, to to invite your neighbors over to see how this technology works and how it benefits them individually, both economically, but also has a great environmental story. Well, I appreciate your time. I know you're, you've got to run and you're busy, but thank you so much for the call. You bet. Thank you once again to Kurt Blades, Senior Vice President of the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. That's this week's Agnet Weekly. I'm Sabrina Halverson. Thanks for tuning in.